you ever find it hard to keep up? You know, there's just not enough hours in the day. You're going all day long and you've always got like seven more tasks to do before you can call it a night. And then finally, when you do call it a night, you finally get to sleep. You lay there awake and go, oh, I need to get some sleep. Then you wake up and do it all over again. (laughs) Hey, it's uh, Tim Patterson. This is Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. You can find us at tradeshowguy.net, also tradeshowguyexhibits.com, tradeshowguyblog.com. And if you go to tradeshowguy.net, that's where you'll find the other books and a few freebies and things like that. So, yes, uh, it does seem at times like we're running, you know, 24-7, 365, burning both ends of the candle. And, you know, I I also think that, well, I've, I've actually got it pretty lucky. <laughs> I have my own schedule. Um, I'm a lucky guy. I make enough money to pay the bills. You know, even in spite of the pandemic, business is slowly coming back. I got a couple of projects that are in the works. Uh, I have free time. I got family and friends that I can count on. And I realize not everybody has it as good as I do. So I am grateful for that. And I hope uh, you are too. And, and look at this. My mom turns 93 in two days. I was born on her 27th birthday. Do the math. Uh, this week, a fun interview with a guy I've been waiting to catch up with for quite a while. Uh, I first met Kenji Haratunian over a decade ago. Uh, the first time I went to Outdoor Retailer, I think he actually got me into the show. I'm not sure how that worked because that was a long time ago. Uh, he's been in the outdoor world, in the trade show world, an event world for many, many, many years. And I was curious to see uh, not only how he was doing, uh, but how the trade show world and the world of outdoor products was doing. I know that Outdoor Retailer has gone through some changes. I don't know that he's specifically involved with that, but he is a show director of the Big Gear Show, and he's intimately involved with uh, that exhibit world with uh, the outdoor stuff. So I, I wanted to catch up with him and and had a good conversation. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. I want to welcome uh, Kenji Harotunian to the Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. Uh, Kenji, it's been a long time. Uh, I know that you and I connected way back when, briefly, at uh, one of the outdoor retailer shows, and you were involved with them All for right. a long time. It's nice to have you on the show. How are you doing? Hey, thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me. I am doing pretty well, you know, given all the givens. Um <laughs> I'm, uh, I've got all my vaccinations. I'm starting to uh, reemerge into the, into the real world, um, still using masks and such, but uh, I've been very busy with the different events. Um, and uh, yeah, I left out to retailer in 2015. So I've been on my own since then, uh, but still in the events industry. And it wasn't long ago. I remember seeing in, 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 trade show time not long ago it's a year and a year and a half you landed with a show is it a new show the big gear show tell me about that and how you uh, landed there obviously you've been involved in the outdoor world for a long time right yeah and the big gear show is uh, an outdoor industry event kind of a, a broader stroke than outdoor retailer that includes the cycling industry paddle sports and the active outdoor realm that i'm sort of most familiar with and um you know, that concept really grew out of an event called the Paddle Sports Retailer Show, which had been going for the past four years. Um, the paddle sports industry, which is canoeing, kayaking and such, broke off from the outdoor retailer show, started its own event, and then is now um, morphing, adapting into uh, a broader show that's really focused around gear that gets people outdoors. So, so, so products that are more hard goods or accessories oriented that facilitate outdoor adventure. Yeah. And I know the, the outdoor retailer show itself, the summer market, winter market, they had some interesting issues with 
with uh, the state of Utah. I mean, ended up uh, moving to Colorado, which was what four years ago. Has it been that long? I, I yeah, don't even remember. Yeah. But, uh, um, there was a little politics involved there. Not that we need to get into that, but I'm just curious. You were you were along. You saw that from from your perspective, obviously. Right. I was no longer working with uh, the show. Uh, I had moved on and was working with other uh, more smaller curated events, um, mostly. And um, yeah, I, I followed that closely. You know, I, I was a board director for the Access Fund, uh, involved in other movements and organizations in the industry. And so that was, a, yeah, it's kind of a big deal. Um, emboldened, I think, by the results of the 2016 election right. and some of the politics specific to Utah, which is a state that has uh, almost 70% of its land um, as public lands. Federal public lands, right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, that, that impacts things. And a lot of, obviously, a lot of the uh, the brands that come there have a lot of interest in the outdoor lands. And there, there were some uh, I would have to look back and see what the exact issues were, but I know that eventually it took a while and they, they decided, well, we're going, we're going to Colorado. So, so have you been to the show in Colorado? Was that the, anything that was on your calendar? Oh yeah, sure. I've, I've made it a point to be at every outdoor retailer show for, for many, many years before Decades, I worked right? for them <laughs> during, I worked for them and, and even now. So, um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, Den- Denver is a great city. It's uh, it's a really nice convention center there. Um, but there are, you know, there are some challenges with it too, and I think one of them is is getting outdoors. I mean, it's actually uh, surprisingly far to the venues that are friendly to doing a demo, an outdoor demo, for example, or a field day, or a gear testing experience, or right. any of that stuff. It's it's difficult. It's a difficult city, believe it or not, to um, to have quick access. And you know, in the trade show world, you know, everything's measured in minutes and hours. Like you can't give up an entire day just to get somewhere and back. Like that's not really an acceptable situation unless you have a nine day trade show or something, right? <laughs> uh, which nobody really wants that. So. Right. And, and understand, you know, that Salt Lake city of course is, is very suited to those types of things. There's a lot of lakes, there's a lot of mountains that are within 45 minutes or so from the heart of the city. And, and I can see where that was, very attractive to the to the people that did that so and I, I think i went to a handful of shows i finally made it to a winter show which got me a day at park city so that was <laughs> gotta love that that was yeah. nice as a ski bum you know it was good yeah stuff. salt lake is almost it's very unique in that respect it's uh it's it's so close it really is a mountain town it's it would be as if you're flying into boulder or flying into bend or uh jackson hole or somewhere it's so so much right there. Uh, even when I used to attend the trade show there, before I worked for the show, I was a retailer in the outdoor industry working for Adventure 16. And I'd go to the show and then the show would close at five and, and there would be three or four more hours of daylight. So we'd head up into the hills, do some, you know, get multiple pitches of climbing in or a half day of skiing or something. It's a great place to kind of mix that passion, pleasure with the business of uh, the outdoors. Exactly. So let's look at the live event industry. Obviously, it's been pretty much dormant. Uh, I hate to use the word dead, but but dormant, I think, probably applies since March of 2020. And and yes, things are coming back. Some cities and and states are reacting differently and opening things up more than others. California is a little harder than, say, Las Vegas. Uh, Chicago, I think, is a little harder than, say, Miami. Uh, What's your take on what's going on? and, And and, you know, writ large, how do you see this going in the near future? Well, I, Tim, I, I subscribe to a, a, a tenet that I 
I've heard called the caveman principle. I think it belongs <laughs> to uh, Michio Kaku, Dr. Michio Kaku, who actually did a keynote speech, I think in 2013 at the IAEE show, which is the trade show for trade show people. Right. And he described this thing called the uh, caveman principle, which is if you want to know what people are going to do tomorrow, go back 10,000 years, see what they did then, and that's what they're going to do tomorrow. <laughs> and so, you know, I kind of like that, um, you know, it's a, sort of a strategic way of thinking because there's so much, I mean, how much change have we been through in the past year and a half? Like literally yeah. every week we're looking at different regulations, lifting, dropping, you know, lockdowns, reopening, reclosing. And, uh, and it's, and it, it wasn't really a coordinated national response. It was, it's a little bit region by region, yeah. it's felt like. And so I think that to cut to the chase, I feel like trade shows will come back, like big, big mega shows will come back. Human, It's in human nature in a way to want to gather, um, whether it's in a tribal way around a, you know, around a campfire, which might be something you and I would hope to do one day together. But I did uh, that uh, the last few days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I wasn't invited, man. I'm sorry, um, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but, but I think that that's going to take a while um, because because there's, um, you know, the, the biggest shows, the CESs and, and outdoor retailers of the world um, bring in an international audience and it's from all walks of the industry. And it's a, it's a lot of, it's tens of thousands of people and packing indoors in a convention center in that way is just not going to come back right away. Partly because A, we've spent a year and a half unlearning to do that, or I should say learning how to not do that and still get business done in the outdoor industry the business has actually been pretty strong especially on the gear side so on the products that get people outdoor side there's major supply chain problems you know bikes you walk into a bike shop and there's like three bikes there um <laughs> you know tents packs sleeping bags uh boats like in the boat shops they're just sold out right. and so there's a there's a supply chain catch-up that's trying to happen right now um but I think that what'll what'll be popular are more regionalized and small and more curated events, which uh, you know is where I've been focused anyway over I mean, the past several years, yeah. and certainly how I got involved with the Big Gear Show. Um, but you know, I think there is there's going to be this kind of desire to come together as larger communities, but it won't start out that way. I think um, I think I believe the CEIR predictions and other global uh, trade show pontificators when they say yeah 2023 maybe we start to see these shows so i, I think that the, the big shows yeah yeah the shows will come back it's just the attendance won't the attendance will be you know a, a fraction of what they used to be and i think that's a great opportunity to you know i think there is this opportunity we've all felt to reset you know to take take a different approach now that we have an opportunity to like sit back and look at it because honestly i think the trade show model you know I, there's a lot of different models of course right but i think that the retail trade show model where brands pay top dollar per square foot in order to have an audience with buyers like that model is is been disrupted permanently and i think in that way there's going to have to be some rethinking and revisualizing about the business model of the big trade show um but i do think there's going to be demand for that yeah, and I, I look back at um, 
you know, when, when digital started to really affect trade shows, you know, modestly in the last five to 10 years with the social component and all of that. And there was a lot of people that were saying, well, it'll get to the point where digital will take over. And I've always maintained face-to-face is much more critical and much more important. And so no matter what, uh, we, there, there may be a digital component, but there's always going to be face-to-face and hang on. I need to let the dog out the door. <laughs> gotcha. I can hear him. And he'll probably be back in just a minute. You know, dogs, you know what dogs are, right? <laughs> yeah. They want to be with you, but no, nope, they want to go out. They want to go somewhere. Right? <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, I, there obviously was, there was a, a number of shows that attempted to do a, a, a full virtual show. And some of them were obviously more successful than others. A lot of the clients that I've talked with in the natural products industry just felt that they weren't worth the time because they've had not good experiences with them. You know, what's your kind of uh, top level view from the way digital has impacted that? Uh, obviously, outdoor, you need to have your hands on the equipment. Well, uh, yes, that's that is true. Although I might be one of the few show producer types that you've talked to who's actually produced a virtual trade show in the past, kind of the distant past. Actually, we did really? one in 2010. Uh, and, it, you know, yeah. And yeah, it was very early. And our CEO at the time over at Nielsen was kind of pounding his fist on the desk saying, we need virtual <laughs> events. And I was in a position to do one because at Outdoor Retailer, there's like many markets, there are communities that are part of that landscape of businesses that are underserved. They're kind of a, maybe they're a secondary market or a part of the industry that isn't directly relevant to the primary goal of the show, but but there's a hundred exhibitors there. Right. So there, and, and um, I had been an advocate for uh, mistreating them a little bit by pushing them off of the main floor of the show into meeting rooms, which, you know, isn't great. People don't like that. But my thought was, well, let's, let's do that, but also deliver some extra value to them as well. We created a design center. We created a, um, a design competition, a student design competition that flew in, um, top students from around the country to, uh, it, it was a supplier part of the industry. So meaning the, like the ingredients of outdoor products, you know, the Gore-Tex and laminates and fabrics and fibers and insulation products, you know, the, that ingredients piece is, um, is an important part of the industry, but it's not directly relevant to right. retailers, which was our, which was our focus. So having, so having done this event, you know, I learned a lot about you know, what works in a virtual environment, what doesn't. Um, and, and to be honest, you know, here we are 10 or 11 years later, and it's pretty much the same technology. Right. And there hasn't been a lot of, a lot of progress, I think, because the demand really wasn't there. I think people are like, yeah, virtual event. Yeah, that's okay. You know, and maybe I'll go, maybe I won't, you know, and, um, Suddenly, in you know, pandemic comes in the spring of 2020, and there's only virtual events. Yeah. So a lot of different models of virtual event have thrown spaghetti up to see what sticks. You know, <laughs> yes. let's keep it open for three months. Let's do it just for one day. Let's do it just for one night. Let's record some of it. And you know, all these different models, which has been really fascinating to see. Right. And there, there has been innovation in that. Just the the format of delivering the the virtual event. Um, but yet, you know, I can count on one hand, the ones that I feel worked and that I know were either profitable or at least, at least broke even, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and you're right. I think the, the, the fact that there's so many different ways you can do that and the an attendees not there in person. So they've got, 
so many distractions here and in, you know, they've got something, they got a phone ringing, they got this and that they have distractions at the show, but they're there at the show. And, and, and when they're just watching, it's easy to just turn off your camera and go do something else and come back or not. And so you've got right. to maintain, you know, I, I do know a couple of uh, professional presenters in the area who have, have been pretty successful by s- selling their services to people and doing very short three and four and five minute entertainment type videos that get people involved and engaged in, in laughing or, or singing along or whatever the case may be. But you're right. It's got to be very attuned to what the uh, viewer is looking for and, and how to meet them in that space and still entertain them and engage them. And, and there's a lot to unpack there. I would, I would agree. So. Yeah. The, the survey question that I haven't seen the answer to yet is how many tabs do you have open <laughs> <laughs> while you're doing the video? While you're doing this. Uh, well, I usually have an average of about 20. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In fact, I'm supposed to be in a virtual event right now, Tim. <laughs> right. So as far as uh, the future, and, you, you know, we talked a little bit about that. So you, you think 2023, I mean, it's funny to see how people looked at it a year ago. People were saying, oh, we'll be back to normal by September. And now when you look back, you go, well, that was kind of naive, but that's kind of, you know, you didn't know you didn't have information. And now we may still be naive, but a lot of people are saying, you know, mid 2022, early 2022, we're going to be mostly normal. And then real normal is again, 2023, you know, do you have a take on that? Well, I do think there's a new normal. And I think (laughs) that a lot of brands, you know, I'm in the trade shows industry that focuses on retail and relationships with brands uh, and the ecosystem of an industry. And they have invested heavily in digital assets, including like, you know, uh, film studios and, and, and entire structures and rooms around producing video. And so they're going to want to leverage those things. And that kind of speaks to the hybrid event, which, you know, you know, I like hybrid events. I like the concept of them. I think it's important to ask the question, you know, are we doing it just to do it? Or is there actually a, an important reason to, to make it a hybrid event? Because there is, if you give people the option, that's going to shrink your overall attendance. And I think that in the traditional or what I'll call the conventional trade show space, the the success of the shows have been measured in numbers of attendees, like essentially is kind of how it is square footage and attendees. And if you do a hybrid event and you get half the attendees and then more people show up online, how does that return on investment work for the people who are paying for it, which is usually the exhibitors. So again, it's back to the business model. And I think that's somewhat permanently disrupted. And I think that, that that's going to be a challenge for show producers going forward. They're going to need to get creative and essentially in, uh, build a new ROI calculator for trade shows, whether it's hybrid or in-person only or, or pure digital. And I think one of the last things I'll, I'll comment on this is when, you, when, when an individual exhibitor, whoever that is, whether they're a large company, small company, I think they really need to be aware of what it takes to engage in those spaces, they've got a lot, you know, as, as we all know, trade shows from an exhibitor standpoint, from any standpoint, are there's a lot of moving parts and it's easy to let three or four go that are critical to your success. And then you look back and go, why didn't we get the ROI that we wanted? Uh, so I think it just kind of behooves exhibitors along with organizers to know what it takes to reach those people and how to measure the ROI, what to give each, you know, lead that they generate, uh, 
what they want. And, and it just kind of comes down to doing the basics in kind of a new space. So. Yeah. And, and really understanding who's going to be there in person and how, how you engage. I mean, your example of making it fun and engaging, whether it's digital or, or in the show itself, live, those are really important and they become more important. Um, because I don't think an exhibitor can just uh, rely on there being massive traffic that just, uh, you know, they put a shiny light in their booth right. and <laughs> people flock. Um, that's, yeah, I don't see that. Yeah, being, the old uh, build it and they will situation. come just doesn't apply anymore, if it ever did. Yeah, so. right. I think as, uh, you know, this term omni-channel has come out in the world of retail and, you know, every brand has to have direct-to-consumer and wholesale channels and, you know, I think that's a similar feel to what's going to happen in the show world where exhibitors have to have, a, have an omni-channel presence in a way, like they need to have their live team trained up and ready to rock, but they've got to have their sort of digital presentation, whether it's a live stream or a, a short recording or a series of stories coming out of the show from their booth. You know, I, I don't have all the answers. I just, I think that that's going to be what emerges now. And so there may be uh, a change in the landscape of shows in that respect. Yeah. Kenji Harotunian uh, of the, the, the trade show director at the Big Gear Show. So how can people find the Big Gear Show and, and connect with you if they're interested? Well, the Big Gear Show is simply at thebiggearshow.com. By the way, it is an invitational event. Uh, right. It's an all outdoors event. So it's, uh, it's unique in a couple of different ways. Um, bringing together the cycling outdoor and paddle world, as I mentioned. Um, mm -hmm. August 3rd through 5th. So we'll be up in the sun at 7,000 feet nice. uh, up in the beautiful <laughs> Wasatch range. So um, yeah, we're, we're curating this group to be, to be a pretty specific uh, and not, we're not really trying to grow the size, you know, we're still right. in a pandemic, Tim. So right. we're, we're trying to be really thoughtful about it. So uh, yeah, they can shoot me a note at Kenji at the big .com or just visit the site. And there's a couple different ways to engage with us there. Well, it's always fun to talk to you, Kenji. Thank you again for your time. I uh, much appreciate it. Great to chat with you too, Tim. Have a, have a great rest of the day. Thanks. Thanks again to Kenji Harotunian of the uh, Big Gear Show, show director and a lot of other stuff. Uh, really great guy. And thanks again for spending time with us here on Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. If you like this show, go to Apple Podcasts, leave a review, leave a thumbs up. Click the like button, whatever it is that you have to do there to get more people to listen, because that's what we do on podcasts. There's a jillion podcasts and we all beg for listeners. So <laughs> that's kind of the way that works. Uh, or you can go to SoundCloud. We're at SoundCloud. That's where we kind of originally host and, and post this sort of thing. So wrapping up for this week's show, this week's one good thing. There's a brand new album out by one of my favorite bands of the 80s and 90s, Crowded House. I know it's hard to believe they've been together since the early 80s, mid-80s. They've only had seven albums since 1986. First one was called Simply Crowded House, 86. They had one in 88. They had one in 91, one in 93. And then they kind of took a big break. They broke up, all that sort of stuff. Came back with an album in 2007, 2010. And now 11 years later, they have yet another one. It's called Dreamers Are Waiting, seventh studio album by the Australian rock band Crowded House, just released last week. It's a, it's a pretty cool album. I just got a chance to listen to it uh, this morning, in fact, as I'm recording this a few days before it posts. So check it out if you're a Crowded House fan. It's out there. Uh, have yourself a great week or two. We'll see you next time around here on Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee.